Welcome, everybody, to the Brian Pergrossi Podcast. That's me. Really excited to have Christian De La Huerta with us today. Good to see you, Christian. Christian's in, uh, you're in Coconut Grove right now, right? Coconut Grove, Florida. So we're actually close by each other. He's in Coconut Grove, and I'm in, in uh, Aventura. I'm noticing the lighting is a little bit rough on me, but as long as you can hear me and you can hear him, that's what's most important for this, this conversation. Um, yeah, let's start with, uh, well, let's actually start. First start, I get so excited because I forget that people, some people don't know who the person is. And, um, and it's interesting because you like, like a lot of guests I have, you're someone that you have your hands in a lot of different interesting areas. I think they're all kind of integrated and they, they, they connect with each other. But when someone says like, you know, what do you do or who are you? Like, how do you, how do you answer that question? Well, I think here's the way that I tie everything together. Um, what drives everything that I do is paraphrasing Einstein, um, you know, who says that you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness in which it was created. Mm -hmm. So when I think about the, the state of the world and the state of humanity and, and how we possibly dig ourselves out of this hole that we have dug ourselves into collectively, the only thing that I, that I land on is a leap in consciousness, like that we, we're not going to solve it from the same level that we're stuck in now. Um, and with, you know, with a state of being of separation and othering each other um, and, and the kind of relationship that we have with, with the planet and, and with the universe. So from that context, then everything that I do is supporting that awakening, that spiritual revolution, that, 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 that's going to give us a, a different vantage point from which we can see the state of, of where we are. So from that perspective, you know, I do, the rest is details, right? I do weekend retreats, I do virtual uh, coaching programs. I, when we're able to travel, I take people on, on adventures, spiritual adventures to spiritually inspired um, settings all over the world. Um, I do breath work. Um, all of it, all of it driven towards that, that same, um, goal which is to continue waking ourselves up mm -hmm. yeah i totally relate to that and resonate with that and you are based in miami based in coconut grove and you've been there for how many years now you know i, I went to high school here so my family's always been here uh, well not always but since we um well, since we emigrated from from cuba um i spent time in hawaii i spent 20 years in california and in, in the bay area came back i think maybe I think it's getting close to 10 years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember talking to you when you first, you first came to Miami. And I remember like there was some kind of resistance about leaving. You were really, you were really happy in Northern California and really feeling good there. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a resistance. But it seems like you're, you're, I, it seems like you're, you're, you're enjoying it and you're appreciating it. You found Miami is such a, I'm taking my partner Annie here for the first time. She's never been to Miami. And I was telling her like, it's, there's no one else like it in the world. It's, it's a unique place. It's just such a, you know, if you like it or don't like it, but it's very, very special. You know, it's, it's such yeah. a unique. So what is it like to be here and to be living here? And is there a way that it's kind of um, blessed you in some way, or it's been, it's been interesting in, in your growth and your expansion in some way? You know, um, I love Northern California and, and in many ways that's so much more compatible with, yeah. with, with my spiritual essence. And I had no intention to move back. Um, I was kind of tricked by the universe to come back to, to Miami. And at the same time that I always knew that 
I could see the wisdom of it, right? There's there's definitely more need for me and, and what I do here than there is in California. Um, so I could always see the wisdom of that. And the first six months I was down here, I was like, oh my God, what the F? Um, what have I done? <laughs> um, it felt like a spiritual desert. But then, you know, I found an oasis here and oasis there. And, and I think that was part of the guidance was to, to come down here and create some spiritual community, connect with other teachers and healers down here. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and it is a blessing. I mean, Miami, especially now when it's cold everywhere else, Miami is such a blessing. Um, the weather down here is such a blessing. And, and the fact that we can go to restaurants because you can sit outdoors year round, um, where in so many other places in this country, you can't. Um, and it's got like, you know, the combination of, of the ocean and part of Miami where I live, there's a lot of greenery. You don't see that in all parts of Miami. Uh, but the Grove is the oldest part of Miami. It's, it, was, it was the old hippie hangout. It's, it's kind of, so it still has this bohemian um, mm -hmm. kind of energy to it. Yeah, those beautiful big old trees. Yeah. Yeah. And peacocks everywhere. And peacocks. Yeah, I just saw an iguana actually right before we, uh, <laughs> we uh, started the podcast. Yeah. 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 I, just came, I was out, outside there, just came strolling by. There's a lot of, I've been appreciating in some new way, because we, we've been to some more kind of more open, I would you say like less urban parts of Florida on this, on this trip. So I've actually been appreciating the, the, the animal life and the wildlife here and these new ways. And, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a real, like I said, I, I find it a really unique part of the world. Um, you have a real diversity of eccentric characters down yeah. here. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. And it really is a gateway to South America. You can yeah. Yeah. literally live down here and not speak English. Yep. Of course, most people do, but you can get, you can get past, you can get, you can survive not speaking English down here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you're, you have a new book out. Um, and the book is, uh, well, you can tell me what the book is about, but I, I know it because I was a part of your, um, online platform you were sharing about it and I, I was able to read you know go, go through it and read it and have a review on the book but it's really about um, being a hero and how to be a hero during these times right yeah it's it's the first of a series which is titled out calling mm -hmm. all heroes so it's a mm -hmm. call to action mm -hmm. what does it mean to live heroically in the 21st century mm -hmm. and it's you know it's coming from a place that you know the planet's going to be fine you know, it might take right. a few million years, but life right. will continue in some form. Maybe it's right. an enlightened, conscious iguana planet when, when we're all right. done with it. Right. Um, whether we make it home, hmm, interesting. You know, we just, we, we're just now beginning to witness whatever we have unleashed on the environment, which I think, by the way, COVID is, an, is, an, is a symptom of that, of our relationship to nature. Um, so this book... Is particularly on personal empowerment. So how does how does a hero um, step into power in a way that's not about hierarchy, control, fear, force, domination, that it's not power over, that doesn't require for me to push anybody down, step on them, put my, my knee on their neck in order for, for me to prop myself up and feel powerful? How do we do it in a different way? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what I, what I feel in, in you 
and I'd like you to just kind of tell me if this feels accurate for you, what I feel in you and what I feel is like so valuable for these times that we're in is I, th I feel you as sort of like an integrative thinker or like, um, did you ever delve into like Ken Wilber's mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah, like I kind of feel like you, you'll kind of like take the different sides of something and like kind of feel the value in all the sides and then kind of put together something that kind of, you know, kind of touches on the values of, of these things. And, and I say that to say that that feels really valuable, uh, extremely valuable in this time that we're in, because for whatever reasons we can explore that, it's very divisive right now. And um, yeah. you want to say something? Yeah, yeah, and it's gotta be, and it's gotta be that way. It's it's gotta be body, mind, spirit. Like you mm -hmm. can't just be stuck in the head with great ideas or great teachings. Um, like they have to be practical. Mm -hmm. um, and and which is you know one of the way that I structure the book is as practical as I can make it. So mm -hmm. um, short chapters with integrative practices at the end. Um, you know, there could be, there could be, and they're simple. They don't take a whole lot of time, but they, they do take some self-reflection. Um, but they're designed to help us apply the teachings to our lives. You know, to really integrate them into our lives, although so that they don't remain just conceptual. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about literally empowerment, not not conceptually. Mm -hmm. um, so, so looking at all these patterns that we have, where we give our power away, mm -hmm. um, and why do we do that? You know, why, why do we have such an ambivalent relationship to power where we want it, but we're terrified of it. Um, and then because we're so conditioned um, that power is a negative thing, you know, with, with phrases like power corrupts. Mm -hmm. uh, so then what good hearted person wants to be corrupted, mm -hmm. combine that with the fact that, you know, we're also conditioned to, to be afraid of the emotions. So we, we fear rejection. We were terrified of conflict. We avoid confrontation. Um, and so put all that stuff together in, into a mix. And what happens is we end up giving our power away mm -hmm. um, and, and settling for illusion of security, for a, a false sense of acceptance and for morsels of pseudo love. And then and we sell ourselves and our power so cheaply. Um, and so, 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 so that, that's what the book is about, how to finding a different way to relate to power so that we can own it and, and express it in a way that is a match for us. Because what they forgot to tell us about that power corrupts is that that was intended specifically for a conversation about political power, not the interpersonal power that, that we're talking about. Yeah, and I feel, I always find that there's, I like to make the distinction between power and control yeah. So uh, if you and I are, we are friends, but let's say, you know, we're, we're hanging out or we're, and I'm trying to control you and I'm trying to, you know, I'm actually not in a place of power. I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a fearful place of disempowerment and I'm trying to control you to compensate for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what we call power, which isn't really true power. And I think of power more what you're saying, or I think of Eckhart Tolle right now, the power of now where you're just coming from a place of presence, you don't need to control another person. Um, you're, you're centered and grounded in yourself. And that's, um, you know, sort of innate intelligence. That's the unique expression of you can just come through in the moment. And it's a very different, uh, even feeling the, the tone of it, the feeling of it is very different than that kind of like, you know, I have to control you and try you know, that kind of energy. It's, it's a totally different um, thing. 
or, or controlling ourselves or controlling ourselves very good point yeah like, which, which you know which yeah. we walk around feeling yeah. like this is powerful you know like yeah. like we're, we're going to control everything that especially guys right you know, where we've labeled the emotions weakness we walk around just like nope you can't feel anything and and we're like you know anticipating the next blow yeah. we live in defcon why defcon one waiting for the next attack sometimes we sneak in that first blow just in case uh, preemptively, but you know, this is not freedom. This is not powerful. This is prison. So we walk around in self-made prisons. As what you're talking about is like when we let go of all that attempt to control what is ultimately uncontrollable, and we just open up and have this open relationship to life, that is way more powerful because what we're doing in this pose is like we're saying to life, hey, life, I got this. Like no matter what you throw my way, I know that I'm going to be okay. I know that I'm going to, you know, that I'm going to land on my feet. I got this, which is a really much more fluid and vulnerable place to live. And yet that's where the power, power resides, not in, in this phase, in this way of living, which is ultimately based in fear. Mm -hmm. And a great avenue for, for working with that is the breath. Right. Yeah. And I think you were one of the first people that ever, uh, was talking about the breath. Like it's a lot more popular now. You know, Wim Hof is out there, and a lot of you know. It's I think a lot of people. It's in their conscious to some degree. Uh, at least people that are on the like you know the holistic path, or they're on a they're on a they're on the, the conscious path. But yeah, you were you were one of the first people that you've been on it for a long time. So like, talk to us about the breath as an avenue to this place that we're talking about. Yeah, you know, Brian, you know, it's all about the breath, you know, it's at the core of every meditative practice. Um, and, and yeah, there's a there's a lot of attention to the breath. I think breath work is going to follow the trajectory of meditation and yoga. It's not there yet, but it's it's headed that way. Um, in terms of num number large numbers of people knowing about it, and, there, and it's a very broad category. So there's a lot of breathing techniques. Um, you know, people, if you take in yoga classes, you know about pranayama and different breathing techniques that you that you use for different purposes. All of it really, really useful, by the way, in this time of COVID um, and this time with these, the, the other dual, you know, the other pandemic of, of I can't breathe, you know, without oppression of systemic racism. <clears throat> the breath work that I've been practicing now for more than 30 years is, is a deeper and longer practice. So you, you do it for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, it's really powerful. It can be really cathartic. Um, and it's both profoundly healing. Like after my first session, I knew I had to do it again. And, and I come out of the psychotherapy tradition. My, my degrees in psychology, my dad was a psychiatrist. And so I was on a track to get a PhD in psychology when I discovered breathwork after my first session. I jumped tracks. I never went for the PhD because it works so fast and heals so profoundly in so many levels, including, by the way, not only emotionally and mentally, but including physically. And I know that sounds too good to be true. To my more logical, you know, skeptical scientific mind, that sounds crazy, even after 30 years of doing it. But I can't argue with results. It works. And it works with permanent results. Yeah, like I said, you were one of the first people that brought it forward. And then um, my partner, Annie, was trained in a form of breath work. And we, we've been sharing, uh, uh, not so much the last year, but we've been sharing, let's say, over the last three or four years, breath work workshops, breath work at retreats, and can totally testify to everything you're saying, including the physical healings, you know, back pain, headaches, 
just different ailments that people have. Like, oh, it's totally gone, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I don't, it doesn't, in my experience, it doesn't happen from, oh, I'm going to try to make this thing go away, you know, again, the control thing, but you just get into the breath and you, you, you're, you're essentially letting go through the breath and then the body knows what to do when it's, when, when, when you, when you free it to do it. That's exactly you know, so, Yeah. That's exactly it. I think that's the best way to approach it without expectations. You can have intention. If there's a particular mm-hmm. area of your life that you're, that you're being challenged uh, and or, or stretched by. I mean, there's so many stories. Here's my favorite story about physical healings. My teacher, the, the woman that I learned this from, um, when she did her first session, she, she was doing a one-on-one. And so she was lying on the floor doing her breathing and behind her, the woman was sitting on a couch and she heard her snap her fingers. For some reason, it triggered this memory when she was five. She totally forgotten about it. And I forget why she got into some argument with her daddy and she was got all, all in, a, in a huff and she was gonna run away from home, got on her little bike and started pedaling away and hit something on the sidewalk and fell over and broke her nose. It was black, black and blue for like three weeks. At the end of the session, she turned to the woman and she said, wow, how did you know to snap your fingers at that moment? It was like incredible timing. It triggered this memory um, about you know what happened to me in relationship to my dad. And then I made all these connections about how that impacted my relationship with men throughout my life. And the woman's like, I didn't snap my fingers. What they figured out as they kept on talking, what she'd heard was the, you know, the, the cracking of the bone. Mm-hmm. The next morning, 40 years later at 45, she got up and she looked in the mirror and was black and blue all over again. Not for three weeks, but for a couple of days while the body you know, healed itself and corrected itself. And like, how does that work? Just from breathing, but it goes to show about the, the interconnectedness of the emotional with, with the body, like we were talking about the physical mm-hmm. body, mind, spirit connection and how the body retains trauma and how it can heal itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's like a... Um we think of these things as miracles, right? Or there's, you know, these are miracles. And it's like, kind of like sort of ties into the Einstein quote. It's like a miracle is like higher laws that we, we don't necessarily understand with our mind or our brain. Um, and we don't need to understand with that. It's almost like that's, that's the problem is trying to understand everything with the mind, you know, everything, making everything rational, analytical. Um, instead of just opening up to, the moment, right? To the wonder of the moment, to the, to the magic of the moment, to the miracle of the moment. And then these miracles, um, it reminds me of The Course in Miracles, like the book, The Course in Miracles, you know? It's like you, you open up to the moment and life becomes miraculous, but it's, it's not through you efforting or trying or controlling. Um, it's through being open to the miracle that's always that's always been here. And I think that's, that's a teaching that goes through all the great, you know, the great spiritual luminaries. They, they're all pointing to, to that, that truth. You know, how do you connect with the Tao, so to speak, or, you know, God or spirit or source. And then it's not that it's not that you from the ego place are, you know, creating these miracles, but the miracles are moving through you, which is important for us who are in the realm of healers to to be humble in that way too, right? Of like, you know, something's coming through and um, we're a conduit for it. And it's kind of like a relationship between the healer and the healed that makes this, this miracle happen. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's so much to unpack in what you just said. There's yeah, go for of, it. A lot of wisdom there. Um, but yeah, like the like the Course of Miracles says, you know, just a miracle is a shift in perception, um, like a shift in our in our thinking, um, and and so connected to the ego. So that's why I spent probably the first third, the first quarter of the book speaking about the ego, uh, because it is so critical to understand that part of the mind. Like, um, and, and there's so much confusion, as you know, in the world about what the ego is. Um, and, you know, for most of us who, who know the word, we think arrogance, inflated sense of self, and it is that, but it's so much more than that. Um, and so here's a great metaphor for, to, to capture it because it, it addresses what the way that you're talking about it is you put a, a baseball in the center of the stadium that's what the ego is. Who we are is actually the stadium. So, so, so that's mm. the importance of understanding the egos so that we pop out of its limited worldview, which is all fear-based. Um, and when we pop out of that, we step into another reality, which is which in which miracles and which magic, for lack of other words, are commonplace. It's almost like we step into a, a reality with different physics, with different laws. Mm-hmm. So everything becomes possible. Um, and that's why no matter what retreats I do, what the themes are, whether it's relationships or personal empowerment or life purpose or whatever it is, there's two things I always do that I always include. One is the breath work because of what we're talking about and it's how quickly it heals and how quickly it clears past trauma. Uh, the other is understanding the ego because if we wanna have the kind of relationship that we long for and deserve to have or have a sense of personal empowerment, if we want to have lives that are filled with meaning and purpose, we have to know and understand the self-prison, the self-made prison of the ego so that we can let ourselves out because nobody else can. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like you, you, the more you, you move into this path, you, you, you tap into more like divine synchronicity, right? Does that resonate for you? Like you, you just sort of like, if, that the right person showing up, the right book showing up, you know, you, you get the right, you know, phone call at the right time. And when you can get in that space, I mean, everything just starts to flow. And of course you, you can fall out of that space. And then you, how do I get back into it? You know, that's the thing. That's a, that's the thing that uh, is part of this journey. But like, just as an example, I'm thinking of last night, I was at this event and um, I've been trying to contact a, uh, a friend of mine and um i wasn't you know hearing from her um so then i'm at this dinner and this guy says uh can i sit next to you and i said yeah sure the seat's open you know so we start talking having a really nice connection and uh he tells me that he lives in uh near lake worth florida and then i say oh i remember my friend lives near there and i say do you know you know do you know my friend and he looks at me like he's like that's my housemate <laughs> you can't make this <laughs> you can't like it's just it's just that's what happens when you're like in this state and um uh and you, you don't you, you don't you learn not to doubt it like you just know that like okay you know i'm here for i guess the, the fun the fundamental thing is like to trust that what's happening is happening for a reason like it's there's not it's not mistake because the ego will be like why the hell am i here or why didn't you know why did this person show up late or what you know it's like you know, you want everything to go the way you want it to go. Um, Cause you, you think, you know, what's best. You think, you know, the best way it's supposed to go. And the mind does that. I, I still notice my mind doing that, but I just try to be very mindful of like, okay, that's the way the ego thinks it's supposed to be. 
but there is something higher if I can be open to it and, and, and be available to it. And I'll, I'll usually know what it is later. Like I'll look back and say, Oh, that's why it happened that way. Happened so much better, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, divine synchronicity, sometimes I call it divine choreography. Uh-huh. Cause sometimes they're so complex. Like, like, like I just can't imagine that that happened by accident. Like, yeah. Who came up with this stuff? You know, all the elements and all the players that had, that had to be put into place in order for something to happen and, and to congeal, it's like, it, it just blows the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, I think you, you also point to one of the fundamental differences between the baseball and the stadium. The ego has a fundamentally victim relationship to life, right? So it's like, woe is me, poor is me, what life did to me, what my mother or, the, or my father or this or, or my ex-boss or, the, or, the, mm-hmm. or, the, or the, my ex-lover or partner, what, what society or sexism or racism or homophobia did to me, if it only wasn't for that, then I would be happy. But, but that relationship, it's, it's basically disempowering, ultimately disempowering, because we're giving our power away to, what some, to other people or other systems outside of us. We're never gonna be able to feel empowered when we come from that perspective. Whereas the, the other part of us, the stadium part of it, call it the soul, call it, call it whatever you want. Um, it has, a, so it's the opposite of a paranoid relationship to, to like, oh, what life did to me, um, which you could say is paranoia. So it's the word that I love is pronoia. So it's, it's the opposite of that, which means that we have not only a collaborative relationship with life and with the universe, but that the universe actually has a vested interest in each one of us breaking free and, and when we think about you know going back to the critical and the urgent nature nature of um of nature of the time in which we live when one of us makes a choice that's going to not only further our own process of healing and awakening and empowerment but consequently all the countless lives that are going to be touched through us um like the universe has no choice the universe has a vested interest in each one of us breaking free and stepping into our power because of that urgency of the times. So let's go back to that question. You, you threw a question out earlier, I think is a great question, which is why do we think power is bad for us or we fear it or we don't want it or like what, what exactly is, is happening there? Well, we have, we, we've, we've gotten confused, right? Well, so we, we tend to think of power as you know, what, I, what I get into in the book is talk about how there's different types of power. Um, so we tend to think of power, people who have power as, as what? You know, people who have money, famous people, people who are, who are high up in some kind of hierarchy, whether it's a corporate ladder or some kind of religious hierarchy or, or, or whatever. But the thing about all those forms of expressions of power, they're outside of us. So, so they're fickle, right? They're here today, gone tomorrow. And that's one of the ways in which COVID is, is serving, you know, one of the many ways in which COVID is serving without minimizing the tragedy of it. But so many people who, whose identity was so connected to a job or a company that may not have made it. So it forces us to go inside and to, and to connect with the deeper um, nature, with our deeper source of power, which is inside of us, right? Every one of us. And nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. We only we can let it go and sell out on that power, for all the reasons that we were talking about. You know, fear, rejection, or conflict, or 
or all the reasons that we that we give our power away but 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 it's in there and and so the one kind of power the worldly power is it's kind of self-aggrandizing you know it kind of blows itself up kind of like a turkey in heat um whereas the other kind of power the internal power the spiritual power soulful power is humble and it doesn't need to prove anything to anybody it just is right so think about you know, example I always give, a Gandhi or a Gandalf, you know, with their simple monastic robes, their sandal feet, you would never know like how much power they hold until it's called for. And then watch out. Like, like, like Gandhi brought the empire, the British empire to its knees when it was at its most powerful global, you know, expression. Uh, without ever shooting a, a gun or landing a punch. You know, talk about power. Um, that's power. So, so how do we find a way to step into that kind of power, it, it, which is not about power over, right? It's power with. Because the one kind of power, worldly power thinks that it comes from the premise that there's a limited amount of it. So it's a zero-sum game. Your having power takes away from mine. But wait a minute, who said who said, right? Your, your power, if I, if I come from a place like there's no limitation, why would your having power take away from mine? It's like, I know who I am, right? So I'm clear about what I want and what I don't want, what works for me, what doesn't work for me. I have clear boundaries in relationship to other humans and, and to life. It's like, why would I be threatened by anybody else having power? It's like, I celebrate other people stepping into their power. Yeah, this is, this is interesting. I, I love where we're going here. So... Mm -hmm. So let's explore the worldly power part a little bit more. So I think there's a question of like, we see the problems in the world, you know, we see different things and the suffering and, and, and um, all that's happening in the world. And there's a sense of, I want to make a positive impact. How to, make, how to make a positive impact. That's the start of the hero's journey, I would think, right? That's, that's right. okay, I want to do something about it. Then, then, then you have to become, you become the hero. And so, um, can you have worldly power from a place of the true power, the authentic power from within? Like, can you, cause I think people have this idea of like, well, to make a positive impact, I need to move up the hierarchy to get in some position to be the CEO or to be the, you know, the prime minister or the president, whatever it is. And I can have a positive, I'll be reaching more people or I need to be a, a celebrity or, you know, um, in our field, it'd be like, I need to sell, you know, millions of books, you know? So how do these things, how does the, what's the integration of this of like, I want to make a positive impact, but I don't want to have the corruption of, of power. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so it's not a black and white, you know, binary mm -hmm. relationship between worldly power and spiritual power. Uh, there are times when it, when it's, when when worldly power is is good to use right it's yeah but i think that's an important that's an important point christian because i think that in, in a lot of the spiritual people have this idea of like worldly power is is bad and you know that's 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 not pure and we need to like keep that away from us yeah exactly so so for example you know we're standing in front of a room right if you, you're teaching in front of a room of 500 people and the fire alarms go off it's not a time to like 
you know, like, like, oh, love and light people, you beautiful <laughs> beings of love and light. How many of you think we should use that exit? Raise your hand. Beautiful. Thank you. Namaste. How many of you think we should use that exit? Raise your hand. No, no, no. It's like, go. <laughs> you know, right? We get directed. We direct people. Yeah. So that's just one example of, 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 of a way in which, you know, it's not all one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, it's when we get into, into when the ego gets hooked into it, like, like power in itself is not good or it's, it's not bad. It's how we use it, how we give it expression. Um, and it's when the ego gets into it and when it's trying to overcompensate for not feeling good enough that it goes into these abuses of power and its need for control and its need to be right. That's when we get into trouble with power. Mm -hmm. That need to be right is such a uh, need to be right or feeling that your, your perspective is the only one that's right. That feels like so important right now. Like, you know, that's what I want to explore that with you because like, um, again, like there's such a divisive energy, it feels like that's there right now. And like, um, how do we bridge that? Is it important to bridge that? Does it, does it matter? Does it not matter? Like, what, what is your feeling on like, you know, you said we're in a hole, <laughs> we're in a deep hole right now. Like, what's your sense of the landscape? It's a big question, but kind of what's your sense of the landscape? And how do we how do we how do we move forward from it? How do we how do we how do we get out of it? And is there a way to kind of heal some of these divisions that are so present right now? Yeah, man, <laughs> isn't that the question? Um, you know, because when I when I sometimes think about the state of the world, you know, and, and the environmental crisis, like, oh, my God, like, how are we going to reverse this? When I think about dealing, negotiating with a terrorist or not even a terrorist, like like we're domestic, um, somebody on the other side of the political spectrum who, who doesn't even see us as see me as human. Mm -hmm. Right, if you see me as, as a demonic being, or or mm -hmm. you know, like all this QAnon stuff now, where they see anybody who doesn't believe in what they believe is, is a pederast, or is, and there's a global, you know, it's like there's become so polarized and so extreme that sometimes I think, oh my God, how how do we do this? It's like I'm just gonna go to the beach and eat a lot of dark chocolate and have a lot of sex, <laughs> and then and then I think, all right, dude, chill out, chill out. I reel myself back. I said, all right, what can I do, right? And what can I do to continue waking myself up and healing myself? And what can I do to, to, to help as many people uh, do the same way? That I can do, right? One step at a time, one yeah. step at a time, one soul yeah. at a time, one breath at a time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that is the question. It's like, how do we maintain our, our, our sense of our, of our truth and our beliefs without that self-righteousness of the ego, right? Without pointing the finger, without making the other so wrong. Um, because, you know, in especially in spiritual circles where, you know, we talk so easy to talk about oneness and love mm -hmm. and light and all, and all mm -hmm. this stuff. But if, if we are going to talk about that, then that, that means that, you know, Sagandhi is in here, but so is Trump. And, and so is Hitler. And so is Mother Teresa and Princess, and Princess Diana, right? So it's, it's all in here if we're all interconnected. So, so that is one of the first steps is, is, is stepping off that self-righteousness of the ego that appoints itself a judge, jury, and prosecutor and knows so clearly what, what the other person, how they're wrong and what they did that was wrong and sometimes delivers, takes responsibility, responsibility for delivering the punishment that they deserve. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're going for is just kind of taking ourselves out of that self-righteousness and even sometimes just putting in the question mark of maybe, of maybe, you know, it's like, I can't even imagine me being that way or doing that, but maybe, you know, if I had been raised by their parents and their parents before them in that culture and in that period of time, um, maybe if I knew what was going on inside of their brain biochemistry or there's any substance abuse, it's like maybe I might believe the same things or do the things that they did. Like it doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse it, but it, it, it begins to get us off that separate self-righteous stance. Mm-hmm. And, 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 we, and it begins to, to open up the possibility for communication and even forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of an interesting example, actually, which you're directly um, connected to. And maybe this could be an example to speak to. Like, I've been kind of like getting immersed in like the Cuban American community in Miami and South Florida and stuff. And it feels like there's very different ways of like seeing things and looking at things. Um, and some of that's from the trauma that was experienced in, in Cuba and things here. So, I guess, I guess my question is just like, like, can we see where someone else is coming from? Um, is that, is that way maybe a gateway in, and maybe that's what you were kind of just pointing at, you know, and that's what, I guess that's what I try to do. I try to like, kind of what you were saying, like put myself in my shoes. Can I see like what their perspectives? So for example, like just a really common thing that I see right now is there's people that are really about individuality you know, respecting the individual sovereignty. It's very, very important to them and people that are really about community. And that's like really important to them is like community and looking out for everybody. And I look at it, I'm like, well, both are important. Yes. You know? <laughs> like community without any individuality is, is terrible and individuality without any community is terrible, you know? So it's like a way of integrating. I, I find these poles are not really they're both important usually. If I look at whatever the issue is, I usually find there's some value in both sides, but the people are just holding that one side so strongly and they're not fully integrating the other side. And it seems like the way forward is the integration of both of those, which I think can happen with more conversation and more dialogue and more listening and more being open to hearing where people are coming from. Yeah, exactly. And getting off the binary of, you know, yeah black and white and, and I'm right and you're wrong. And mm-hmm. There's only one way and that's my way, right. uh, which is all ego. It's all ego-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and moving more into both and, right? Like you can have a sense of individuality and be concerned about the community. Yeah, and I actually think it's essential. Like it, it's like, it doesn't, community doesn't work without a sense of individuality and individuality without community is like, you know, we, we're, we're, we're communal creatures. We, we must have community. So yeah, I think that that, that integration of the two is, uh, is where it's at. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if this is what prompting the thought, but you know, wearing the whole controversy and, and the politiza- politicization about wearing the masks, mm-hmm. which, you know, which is a, which created a false dichotomy. Um, and you're taking away my freedoms. It's like, how come we don't have that with wearing seatbelts? Um, and, and I, th- which is the same thing, right? It's just a minor inconvenience, um, but it's for our protection and protecting all of us. Um, and, and the Eastern cultures are much more into 
the, you know, the communal thinking. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what we're talking about. If, if we really are going to talk about, uh, talk about oneness, then, you know, it's like, that's really ultimately, I don't care how many vaccines we come up with. Like we have to get into like transcending all these superficial differences that keep us separate. Like the only way we're going to, we're, we're going to really handle this virus or the next it's, it's global. Like we've got to think about it from a global perspective. We're all in this together, literally. Mm-hmm. Literally, not not poetically, not in a new agey, airy fairy sort of way. We're literally all seven and a half billion of us, these tiny, tiny, tiny ants and this tiny pebble hurtling through space at unimaginable speed, thousands of miles per hour. And, and we're at the point where we've got to think as, as one planet and, and what happens in this country cannot be separated from what happens on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. So think thinking globally and at the same time, like like your book is talking about, like that personal empowerment aspect as well. So it's like the, 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 inter, the intersection of the two, you know, that global perspective, which starts with me, the individual, and what can I do in my little, you know, sphere yeah. around me, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, 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 and given, you know, your audience, you know, I just, I just want to take this opportunity since you brought it up again. If, if anybody watching this has the slightest suspicion that they have work to do as a teacher, as a healer, as an activist for, for, for change, as an activist for the awakening, as a catalyst for the awakening, for the, for the spiritual revolution, whatever you want to call it, it's like, this is it, right? This is the time that we have been waiting for. And, and unfortunately, we don't have the time for another certification and other training programs. Like do that if you want, but don't use that as an excuse for not stepping into your role as teacher or healers. It's all hands on deck now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, it's like where there's adversity, where there's challenge, that's where the opportunity is, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you did another, you have another book uh coming out spiritually um that that was your first book yeah yeah uh, my first book which that's probably 20 years ago when that came out yeah yeah so um i guess like i I wonder like everything kind of i was just saying like everything has its challenge but also has its opportunity right yeah so um a lot of my friends are are gay men um a lot of people on this podcast having gay men and i just been thinking I, i'm not that's the first time i ever thought about it but um i think i actually remember eckhart tolle writing a little bit about this as well that um there people who have been or groups of people that there's been some marginalization or there's been some sort of you know some level of oppression there is a gift you can find in that that can sort of if you can find that little pathway in it and maybe you sort of you you embrace whatever the lesson is the challenge is for you um it can really be an accelerator of your the evolution of your consciousness leaking your conscious is that something that you've you found in in yourself or other people that you've you've worked with yeah exactly i mean and i write about that in coming out spiritually you know the because you know the the what, what I did in that book is come up with, with 10 archetypes mm-hmm. that people that we today call LGBTQ mm-hmm. um, fulfill and, and spiritual roles that we have fulfilled throughout history in, in all inhabited continents before we even had a name you know, for, for who we are. 
yeah, because the, the, the word gay, did, you know, it's not even a few decades old and the word homosexuality didn't, wasn't even coined until the late 1800s. Um, but yet, you know, we've, we've been around and, and interestingly gravitated to, to spiritual, to roles of spiritual service and leadership. And the reason I wrote that book is because so many people in, in the LGBTQ community have shunned spirituality because we confuse it with religion and no right. wonder, right? Given, right? given the treatment that we have received and continue to receive at the hands of, of most religions in this world. But what is tragic about that, like I'm, like I'm saying, is that before the patriarchal times, before you know, the days when, when, when the divine feminine was still honored, people that we call LGBTQ were, were honored and, and revered for these roles of spiritual service that we played all over the world. So one, the one that you're talking about is, you know, has to do with being the other, you know, because the, the, like many people, like not so much these days, um, but still, um, but growing up different, you know, you grow up, you know, thinking like, like I grew up thinking that there was something wrong with me, trying to find a way to reconcile my, my spirituality and my sexuality in a religion that told me that I was gonna burn to hell for eternity, like, my adolescence was one long depression um, with suicidal thoughts, right? As, as I tried to, to reconcile this part of me that wanted to serve, the, that had this longing to serve the divine as I understood it then. Um, and so, this, this, the, so that's the shadow side of that, the, the, the benefit, the gift, the blessing of growing up feeling different, feeling like an outsider is that it gives us the advantage, it gives us a perspective to, to, of the outsider, which we can see the forest and the trees. So that's one of the reasons why LGBTQ people have always been great chroniclers and observers of society, because you know, we're, we're in it, but not, not of it. And we, and we cross all sorts of boundaries. We've, we're found in all sorts of cultures um, all over the world. And, and so, yeah, so, so many, many, so in, in these 10 archetypes, they all have a shadow side and they all have their, their, their upside. And you really, I feel like you're really um, a component of what you share with people is really about balancing masculine and feminine, balancing the mat, that the masculine attitudes and feminine attitudes. And that again, feels really important right now. Um, I think that it's easy to kind of get caught up in one and sort of demonize the other polarity um, but it feels like you really, you know, you, you really strive to within yourself, uh, find the gifts in both these polarities and support other people to find the balance of both these polarities. Yeah. And that, and that's beautiful because that actually connects both books. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a common theme in both because homophobia and misogyny are two sides of the same point. If you look at, at the religions and the cultures that, that, that persecute gay people, 100% correlation the ones where women are not equal right well the ones where women are, are oppressed like a yeah like a like a sort of a hatred for the feminine or really i would say even a, i would say even deeper a fear of the feminine it's a fear of the feminine yeah because you know let's let's take you know christianity and let's take one of the you know what the so-called holy text of terror you know the six quotes biblical passages that are used to condemn or oppress um, homosexuality to so you know the, the one that says you, know, you you shouldn't you 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 shouldn't live you shouldn't sleep with a man in the same way that you should with a woman. It's like they don't even say anything about two women, because women weren't even human then. You know, we, we, women were property. 
Um, and so, and even today, you know, you, like even with, you know, heterosexual homophobic men, like, like two women is like, ooh, sexy. <laughs> ooh, you know, get off on that. Like two men together, gross, you got to kill them, right? <laughs> or, or, or they're grosses out. And, and so what is that? You know, what's up with that? And the more that I think about that, it's, it's two women together are not a threat to the status quo. Uh-huh. Two men together, and, and this is all subconscious, by the, by the way, in their mind, one of them is willingly forfeiting the superior male status. And that is a threat to the status quo. Mm. Hmm. And, and so, so yes, you know, like in, the, in this book about power, um, it has a particular message for women. Um, like that's one of its themes, you know, coming from my belief that the empowerment of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. To that, we can connect all the other issues. So when I think about it strategically, if I'm going to focus on one thing that's going to then impact many others, that's it. Uh, when women are in 50% of power, we'll have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and, and social injustice and how we treat the environment. So, and, and, it, and yet it's not about going back to a matriarchal system. Right? We don't wanna go back to an imbalance. We wanna find that balance now, that's what's necessary. And it has to start here. If we expect to find that balance between the masculine and the feminine energies, which we all have, it has to start here. And, and, and one, ba- one thing to add to that, by the way, is like we have this misunderstanding of feminine energy and, and we think that that that's weakness it's like wait a minute you're talking about you're talking about the power of creation what is more powerful than that and and i'm not going to do her justice but um betty white you know the the inimitable betty white said something Mm -hmm. to the effect of you're talking about she was talking about why we tend to associate courage and strength with balls like you gotta have balls so she said wait a minute what's up with that you just thumb you know you, you Thought those little things and and the guys bent over in, in pain you want to talk about power let's talk vaginas those things take a pounding <laughs> yeah giving birth i mean that's a pretty amazing thing to be able to do Seriously. um yeah Seriously. yeah yeah well so we could say like uh <laughs> that takes some vagina <laughs> <laughs> i like it yeah, like some, some, some ovaries <laughs> uh, but you you i remember you talked about the goddess temple yeah right is that still something that's uh exists and is yeah. a place to be devoted to the feminine i'm sitting in it right now and it's you Fantastic. know it's just a house i rent uh-huh. and i treat it as a temple and, and it is a sacred temple and it's alive um so it's not just like a dead temple um like you could feel the energy. People comment on that all the time. It, it honors all the traditions, um, but it has a particular dedication to the sacred feminine because we've been so out of balance mm-hmm. for too many thousands of years and, and because the, the, the goddess was exiled. Um, and so that's in my own little way of, of helping to, to facilitate that rebalancing. Beautiful. And if, do you ever work with anybody that you find needs to integrate more the masculine attributes or the masculine uh, gifts in themselves as well? 
all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, and especially women, um, but not only. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's. Um, you know, I do a retreat just for women and power. Um, I do, you know, one on personal empowerment for everybody, but I do one specifically for women and power. And, and, and what I'm discovering is that, like, especially, in, you know, in our community, in the spiritual community, as men are becoming more woke, for lack of another word, or, or, or beginning to realize that they don't want to be an expression of this toxic mascul- masculine system, they, they're still finding their way, right? And they're, they think that it's all just the, then they go the other extreme into too much softness and too much flow, which are great qualities of the feminine, but there's also, you know, the, the, the langularity, for lack of another word, the, 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 the clarity, um, the penetrative energy of the masculine is also really necessary. And women long for that. So it's not about giving that up. It's just about finding ways of expressing it that, that are not power over, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that can create that space of holding in strength in which the feminine can then feel free to just flourish and, 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 and go off into that beautiful sacred dance of the feminine. Beautiful. Yeah, I totally relate to that, resonate with that. I think that we can kind of... Uh, a lot of people have had trauma with, with masculine energy. Um, and so then there can be this thing of kind of dismissing the entire half of the equation, you know, <laughs> where um, there is something beautiful there to integrate, you know, that, that can be a positive, um, uh, yeah, has, has positive gifts, just like the same with the feminine, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah. Right. Healthy and the unhealthy expression of it. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I added a book and what it means to be a, tw- a man in the 21st century, which I find it kind of ironic that it's a gay man writing it. Uh, but I love it you know, that it's a gay man write- writing about what it means to be a man um, in the 21st century. And so and part of what I do there is like redefine like some of the traditional male roles, like roles like the like the provider. You know, which is such a strong identity for so many men. And that's one of the reasons why so many men are struggling in these times and, and having to then look for, for ways of thinking that, that are more uh, linear and that define everything. And that, you know, the more patriarchal system because they're feeling as women are stepping more and more into their power. Um, I think we're up to like 40% now of, of households, of heterosexual households in this country in which women are, are outpacing or out earning men. So men are having to like redefine, right? Like, wait a minute, that used to be what I used to, what I do, but wait a minute, that's not the only way to provide, right? Which is just finances, it's just one way to provide. What about providing a stable home? What about being a rock in your home around which your, 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 your partner, your, your spouse, your wife, your kids can flourish? It's like, wow, what a thing to provide. Mm. Yeah, I feel like you're someone that has a, um, a really health, uh, healthy, integrated masculine energy. And, um, and I, several of my, my, my gay male friends, I would say they have a health, very healthy masculine integrated energy. So that's one of the misconceptions, I think, like even speaking for myself when I was kind of younger on my path, this idea that, oh, if you're gay, you're, you're, you're feminine, you're, you know, you're kind of more like 
you act more like a woman or something. But that's that's another stereotype to break. It's not necessarily the case at all. Um, I'm just more of a place of just like, just, you know, of course the mind's always going to make these categories. Um, but I think beyond that, if you can just embrace the mystery, you know, of people and embrace the wonder of people and, you know, we have our categories and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what the mind does. That's appropriate for it to do, but not to get too caught in like, Oh, you're, you're gay. So you act like this, you're black. So you act like this, you're white. So you act like this. You're, you know, you're, you know, they kind of like be a little more loose with those things and be open to being surprised by, you know, yeah, who people yeah. are and what they are. Or you're a man and you have to act this way. Or yes, absolutely. You have, to, you have to act this yeah. way. Yeah. It's like, like, yeah, let's just get over it and get, and, and that's part of the beauty. Uh, and that's, by the way, one of the, one of the gifts of, of people like me who had to struggle with existential questions of who am I? Uh -huh. And what role do I play in this world at a very young age? One of the gifts of that is that we get to make up the rules, right? We learned earlier in life that we get to make up the rules because the whole thing is made up anyway. Right. <laughs> so we get to we get to define who we are and we get to be playful about it. Um, and, and, you know, the whole gender thing is a spectrum, right? Mm, right. There's, right. And, but what, what really needs to happen is, is the make wrong of the feminine, that the, the, the labeling the feminine as something less than or weakness because, and, and because it isn't obviously. Um, and, and to find that way of, of, of balancing it. Um, and, and by the way, this is going back to coming out spiritually, the book, one of the archetypes talks about how um, in many spiritual traditions, it's, it's that balance between the masculine and the feminine which is which is what we're going for because the sacred is both right so the sacred balances both those energies and, and if we are an expression of the sacred then we too have that and so for example we look at um you know the yin yang in in, in taoism it's it's a it's a right perfect balance and not a linear geometric balance but a, you know the curvy balance and it's and it's to highlight the point to put a dot of one in the other to say that we all have all those energies. Um, and in Hinduism, which is, a, a, there's a phrase that I don't even know how to pronounce, but I will, because I've only read it, but it's like Kritiya Prataki, something like that, mm -hmm. um, which talks about how the more evolved we are spiritually, the more that we embody and exhibit the, the, the both the masculine and the feminine qualities. And, and even using Christianity again, but the mystical part of it, you know, the, the Gnostic Gospels and the Gospel of Thomas, um, where Jesus is quoted as having said that not until we balance within our, ourselves the, the, the masculine and the feminine will we find the kingdom of God. And of course, the kingdom of God not being some mythical place that, that we go to when we die, um, but a state of being. Um, a state of consciousness to which he never claimed exclusivity, you know, in, in phrases like these and greater things you'll do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, I think the feminine is like, it's a gateway to the mystical consciousness, right? It's like, I think one of the issues with the feminine to me, issues meaning why people are challenged by it is that our society, I mean, the Western world it's so analytically based, so rationally based, so intellectually based um, that if something can't be explained rationally, analytically, you know, um, intellectually, 
then it's almost like it doesn't exist or it's, it's not valid or it's not, you know, so we have this thing and, and this is where science is, all this stuff, again, I'm not, like, I think it all has its place, but there's this aspect that's missing, which is more mysterious, which is more the mystical, which it's kind of trans-rational is how I would describe it. It's, it's not that it's not rational, it's just it's beyond yes. rational. It's beyond the intellect. That. It's beyond analysis. You know, it's, it's, you have to feel it. It's intuitive. It's, you know, this is all the, the, the gift of the feminine. And I think that's what you're saying. Like, that's why our society is not really honoring that, that component fully. Exactly. And, 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 and it's all in the brain, right? It's just like, <laughs> so it's a balancing the left and the right sides of the brain as well. Yeah. And that's where the creativity lies. Right. Exactly. So and then, yes. Yeah, so then you start to see like, oh, that's why we just, you know, keep doing doing the same shit over and over and the you know we have this establishment that's stuck and entrenched and we're just we're lacking that creativity to just you know flow from and 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 express ourselves from yeah yeah because we have made reason you know king mm -hmm. uh, or queen <laughs> whatever whatever gender reason is um you know and, and my father is a great example of that uh, you know because he was he was a brilliant psychiatrist i know because i I often meet people who unsolicited will tell me, oh, my, your dad was really good. He really helped me. But with his own emotions, he was clueless, like clueless, like had no idea what he was feeling. And, and I inherited that, right? Because I didn't have a, a role model for that. Um, and so for me, it's, it's been a lot of, of, because that's also the realm of the feminine, right? The emotions that are scary mm -hmm. uh, because they're not rational. Um, and, and, and you and I know that we've, got to figure out the, the the thing with our relationship to the emotions we can't suppress them right what used to be spiritual teaching that that everything is energy now we know from quantum physics that everything is energy including the body including the emotions even though it might seem physically you know like solid it's not and so what happens is when we when we make the emotions wrong and we try to suppress them and we try to deny them two things can happen either we suppress we suppress we suppress and then we react um, and cause harm to our relationships because we can't just can't suppress that stuff anymore or, or we walk around with layers upon layers upon layers of emotional crap that then we try we're trying to have a relationship in the present and all of it is getting filters through this lifetime of unhealed trauma and suppressed yeah. emotions that's why our relationships like how do they stand a chance as long as we're doing that or we suppress 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 and that energy has to come out somewhere so it starts showing up in physical symptoms, ulcers, heart attacks, cancer. It has to come out one way or another. And, yeah. and that's part of this conversation we're having about balancing and not suppressing the feminine anymore. Totally. Totally. And then um, for the, the masculine, it's like a healthy honoring between the polarities, between the yin and the yang, right? So I find like, for the feminine to really be able to express all we're talking about this, this intuitive uh, energy and the feelings and the, um, the heart, um, there needs to be, they need to, there needs to be feeling a feeling safe, right? To be able to do that. So I think that's where a healthy masculine that honors the feminine can create a structure that doesn't feel oppressive, but actually feels supportive. Exactly. You know, creating that that's that stable structure. Um, I think even like for the stuff you and I do, like if, if we if, I, if I'm doing a workshop, um, 
there needs to be some structure. There needs to be some something there, but the structure is to support that flow of the intuition, of the feeling, of the emotion. So, so ideally, it goes together beautifully. Exactly. You know. It's, yeah. It's and where, both where and we, not an either right. or. Yeah, and where we've kind of lost lost our way, you know. And I think it's changing a bit in the corporate world. You're more you're more involved there than me, and I need, I know you do some stuff there and stuff. But I know in the old the old way was like you could not express feelings, and I think there's still a lot of work to be done there, right, in that realm. But feelings were not something that was like valuable or important. There was they were in the way. Um, so the structure would basically kill the feminine, right, or squash the feminine or destroy. But we can have masculine structures that actually honor and support the feminine, have that perfect balance. And I think that's, that's ideally like what we want to have. That's it. That's, I think that's what we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're, you're, like I said, like you, you're a good representation of someone that's, you know, um, striving to uh, embody that in yourself and express the, the gifts of both within yourself in a really beautiful way. So appreciate your yeah. presence thank you and i appreciate thank yours you. i appreciate you so so much yeah so how can people connect with you what's the book awakening to soul of power is out now where can they get it anything else that you're excited about happening that you want to share yeah they can get it anywhere where books are sold you yeah. know including amazon yeah um they can find me at soulfulpower.com and if they add a slash free guided meditation and, and get them on my email that list and they'll get not only a free guided meditation on trust um which is also what we're talking about when we step into that realm of the beyond the ego um but and they get some other goodies um over time one thing that that they may be interested in is a year-long coaching program that, that i've launched uh started in january and which I'm launching another group, another cohort in April. And, and of course, I'll go back to doing retreats whenever we can. They're amazing, life-changing, especially when, like you're talking about, when we can bring in more cognitive teachings, maybe more masculine with breath work, maybe the more feminine approach to it and, and that beautiful balance between those two. But who knows, right? Hopefully, maybe you know, late summer, we'll be able to do that. Um, again, I'm breathed together powerfully in the same room together. Um, but in the meantime, what I'm loving about this year-long model is that I get to spread out the teachings over a whole year, right? So piecemeal and with interactivity. That's what's different. That's what I, I'm not able to do on a retreat. So little bite-sized pieces of teachings, content every week with homework, with tasks, tasks uh, power practices to help integrate the teachings into our lives, which I think is going to be much more effective in the long run. Because what happens, a lot of people have a peak experience at a, at a weekend retreat, and then they go back into their lives. And if they're not, they don't have a practice, if not, if they're not paying attention and supporting that expansion, pretty soon the, you know, the contraction happens and the ego, you know, pulls the pulls us down with, with its boring voices of fear and self-doubt and self-questioning. And then they have to come to another breathwork session or another retreat or another session with you to go back to that expanded state. So, so that's what I'm loving about this model. Bite-sized pieces and with the interactivity to support that continuous expansion. And satisfaction guaranteed. Like I, I know without a doubt that if they do this program, uh, which is manageable, you know, not, not a lot of stuff to do. Like I'm keeping it manageable, the content manageable with the, with the practices. Like transformation is guaranteed. 
after years. There's no way that you could be the same if you if you follow the directions of of, um, of the program. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll have a link to um, to your site when this podcast comes out. And um, it's a real treat to be able to connect with you, Christian, and share the space together and share the wisdom with you together. And thanks so much for for being here. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I know, like you and I could always talk for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, you know, bounce off each other. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's always a great conversation. Thank you so yeah. much thank you for everything you do and, and all the difference, the big difference that you're making in this world. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Christian.